0: I'm Cameron DeVazier.
1: And I'm Mark Howard.
0: And this is Talking Points. We are now on the very first lesson of the first quarter of a brand new year. 2022. It's incredible. And the message that we're dealing with, back the title of this one in these last days, the message oh. of Hebrews. Oh yeah. This is, there's not a I've bad a book quarter. in the Bible, to be oh. clear. But Hebrews is one of those just rich, uh, uh, just there's so many layers and things you could study about and the centrality of Christ and his work now. And anyway, we're going to get into all that. But yes, I'm excited about this quarter's study. And I know that you are too. And uh, you put together the talking points for this week's study. So we're going yes, to go I through did. those in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, we should start with a word of prayer and then you could kind of introduce us to where yes. we're headed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word, to do it in a Sabbath school class dynamic. Lord, we want iron to sharpen iron, and we want to see Jesus clearly in this word. So bless us now as we embark on this quarter's studies, and this lesson in particular, Lord, help us to understand the context of Hebrews and to launch into a great quarter worth of study as your spirit leads, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Howard. Well,
1: I have to say, as we're embarking upon a new year, Happy New Year to our viewers. Sure. You know, a lot of people don't understand or realize that Sister White has actually encouraged believers to make New Year's resolutions. Mm. You know, we it? think that, and, uh Something on I your mind you want to share with the world today? No, I won't get into all, but But my point is, you know, there's nothing better than the book of Hebrews. If you're starting out the new year and saying, This year I want to be more faithful to mm. the Lord, and I want to reach more souls for Christ— Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary is of all things you could focus on to achieve those goals. It's so encouraging! It's Absolutely. so challenging. Yeah, it's great. And we're going to see that through uh, through this quarter's lessons. Now, uh, this week, as every time we start a new book, where there's an intro to the book itself. Yep. And so this lesson is called "The Letter to the Hebrews and to Us." Highlights some different things about the Book of Hebrews. Now, something interesting about this quarterly, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Is that the principal contributor to the quarterly itself, uh, Felix Cortez, mm-hmm. is different from the one who wrote? And maybe this is the case every time, and I haven't noticed it. But I noticed that the teacher's notes mm-hmm. and the outlines are put together uh, by, by Dr. Gallos, who's mm-hmm. a Hebrews. Um, He's a scholar. professor at the, at the I seminary. I mean, his, yeah. Hebrews is his thing, so. Or actually, I,
0: that's the seminary at the religion department of Andrews
1: University. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And so, it's it's you know, just like a pastor, you know, a pastor gets up and gives a sermon just as a pastor, and you've done this, I'm sure, uh, and maybe you do this as Sabbath school teachers, too. It's like, I would have probably preached that different, you know, so I, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to get two studies on Hebrew. Yeah,
0: essentially, you are. You had the regular lesson itself, but then you had the study notes that were put together by Dr. Gallos, and so you had the Cortez version in the one, the Callos, and I'm guessing that there's a whole lot of Symmetry between them.
1: That's there right. might be some, some, some but f- some points but, of emphasis. Yes, are different exactly. Things. And that's one thing that we'll notice this week because, as I, this week's lesson, I took a chunk out of, of it out of Dr. Gallus's notes. Okay. just as a run, and I'll explain that as we go. So, I, of course, the lesson serves as an introduction to the Book of Hebrews. And there are three talking points for this week. Number one, Paul is the author of Hebrews. That's our first talking point.
0: That's interesting. You said Paul is the author, not could be or
1: might no, be. No, no, no. Is <laughs> okay. and I've taken that from Sabbath afternoon and from Dr. Gallus's teacher's notes at the end. Okay. okay. Number two, Hebrews is present truth. Mm. Taken that from Thursday's lesson, and then finally, number three. We are the audience of Hebrews, also taken from Thursday's lesson. There's a chunk mm. in the middle that you're just going to have to read and study your lesson. But so those apparently the you can just I... study
0: Sabbath and Thursday and be <laughs> right. ready for this week's As lesson. As I
1: said, now I went into the teacher's notes, and you'll find a whole wealth of information, and there's only so much you can cover. Again, we're just introducing the book of Hebrews, and these were points that I thought were help- would be helpful to us.
0: And to be clear, Talking Points is primarily for teachers and those who actively participate in Sabbath school, so not everyone has the teacher's edition. That's right. But if you have the teacher's edition, it has that mm-hmm. ad- it, information no no
1: no not oh, true
0: okay go ahead there's the app there's the app there's other ways to get it besides just the printed the yeah.
1: official gc sabbath school app and maybe you can put something on the screen here uh you can get all the editions you can get the easy reading edition you true. can get the teacher's notes and all that stuff and mm-hmm. so that you have access to that it's Amen. not like the teacher's notes are a special kind exactly a right secret. Like you have a, to
0: be a teacher it's open to everybody you have
1: to have secret code or something <laughs> okay all right so let's jump into the talking points though um Number one, Paul's the author of Hebrews. Now, in the early Christian church, and I know that you've probably experienced this in your pastoral ministry, in recent days, uh, and I mean years, decades even, there's been a question over the author of Hebrews. Mm It wasn't the case in the early Christian church. um, Paul was typically understood. In fact, if you look at the King James Version, it says the epistle of Paul to the the Hebrews. Right? And uh, good Dr. Gallus in his teacher's comments says, why don't you read that uh, little note from the teacher's comments? Sure.
0: Paul's authorship of Hebrews is indicated by the, conclusion of Hebrew, by the inclusion of Hebrews among the Pauline epistles in the Greek manuscripts. In the earliest extant, or surviving, once we still have, manuscripts dating around A.D. 200, Hebrews is placed right after the epistle of Paul to the Romans. So yeah. that's, a, that's an important point. The oldest manuscripts we have, Back even to 200 AD, we're right. already including Paul. And obviously,
1: he, that's not like there it is. It's he, but just the indicator. idea that <laughs> they, indicator. when they put it together, they just that was the early, understanding of the early Christian church. Now, mm-hmm. over through the years, that began to come into question primarily because um, it doesn't the literary like other, style yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't match most of Paul's letters. The, the, the use, the phrases he uses, don't match up with some of the other epistles. Mm-hmm. But the lesson highlights that as well as Dr. Gallup's teacher notes, that one of the, probably the main reasons that you may find the discrepancy is that it's fairly obvious when you read through that Hebrews originally was a sermon, not mm-hmm. a letter.
0: In fact, on, lesson, uh, on the there's, in the introduction there on Sabbath afternoon, it yes. says it has been argued that Hebrews is the earliest quote complete Christian sermon that we have. Yes, and that's an interesting argument.
1: Yeah, and it brings up in there Hebrews thirteen twenty two, where the Apostle Paul says, "And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words." And that phrase is used in the Scripture, in fact, by Paul back back, and I think it's Acts 13, Acts 13, yeah, where that was referring to a sermon. Yeah. And when you realize that, well, obviously the structure is going to be different than writing. When I write something, it's different than when I preach something. And so there are differences. Sure. And you know, the lesson kind of highlights that. Again, you can go to the teacher's notes um, at the end, and it will also give you more evidence on that. But... Um, there was, there's been a shift in the understanding of who the author right. of Hebrews is. So
0: traditionally it was understood to be. Then some questions came up, but then you recognize, oh, well, of course it can be Paul, but have a different style because it was a different genre. It was a preached message that was maybe That's transcribed. Right. But then there's that other thing about Sister White. We had that added insight from the spirit <laughs> well, of prophecy. I was going to say,
1: so we, there's a lot. When you look at the, some of the questions people have about the authorship and you, you know, go through, as the lesson and the teacher's notes do a little bit, as to, oh, it was a sermon, not a letter, and here's some evidences of this, that, and the other, then it becomes more plausible that Paul wrote it, but then you have, as you said... Yeah,
0: the light (laughs) of the spirit of prophecy makes it inescapably clear. And does Sister
1: White give us any light on this, specifically?
0: (laughs) She (laughs) sure does, over and over. Well, you've got in the notes there, uh, Great Controversy 411, which is one of a plethora of occasions where she says, quote, The Apostle Paul, in the epistle to the Hebrews, says... Right goes on,
1: and so Search Elamite's writings for Paul and Hebrews, and um, I had a number of statements. In fact, there are three such statements that I found right off the bat in great controversy. But what happens is when we put our outlines together, you only have so much space, and it was crowding out what I wanted. <laughs>
0: you look like you cherry picked the one. It's like, it no, it actually, does, and so
1: yeah. and there was a larger statement that I included that I wanted to include here. I think it's important, especially in the light of Hebrews, and we're going to be talking about present truth in the last days that one of those little pieces is the spirit of prophecy. And mm. there's been a growing sentiment among some, or misunderstanding, if you will, that sometimes Ellen White gave counsel, but a lot of times she just wrote her own opinions mm. as counsel. And so when you share, for me, when I read that Ellen White says that Paul wrote the epistle to the Hebrews, that's pretty much settles it. That, yeah. For some people, that's, oh, you're, that's you know, really... Um, kind of childish thinking, and you don't understand, Sister White, and yada, yada, yada. She wrote her opinions out. So I included this statement. Maybe you would read that in a, in a testimony she wrote to the Battle Creek Church back in the day.
0: Yeah, this is for the Third Selected Messages, page 70. It says, "...in the testimony sent to Battle Creek, I have given you the light God has given to me. In no case have I given my own judgment or opinion. I have enough to write of what has been shown me without falling back on my own opinions." You are doing as the children of Israel did again and again. Instead of repenting before God, you reject his words and attribute all the warnings and reproof to the messenger whom the Lord sends.
1: Mm, That's a fantastic statement. Mm. I love that I have enough to write of what has been shown me than to fall back on my own opinions. Now, the bottom line for all of this is, you know, I run into people, I run into scholars, like I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews, fine. You know, I'm not going to force you to. But I think the benefit in us understanding Paul as the author is because when we realize Paul was the author, now we can take Romans, now Mm -hmm. we can take Galatians, and let them reflect on Hebrews. And let the the, the more of the, because most of the scholars who don't believe Paul wrote Hebrews believe it was written by somebody who wrote nothing else in the New Testament. Mm. So it's helpful to know that the same author who wrote this and this wrote this. So that can help.
0: Yeah. For instance, in Romans, when he talks about how he lives to make intercession for us, right? Yes. Well, now we have his understanding of that intercessory work of Christ laid out in the book of Peter. So we can see these are complementary, not competing ideas. That's exactly right. And when we're
1: reading in Romans about the gospel, and Mm. when we're reading about life in the spirit, now we can see... The reflect the light of Hebrews in that, and how you know living by the Spirit is something that's enabled by the work of Christ. It really as fills high priest. out our and picture so, and understanding exactly. And so I think it will enhance our study, and I think it's an important point. Amen. So that's talking point number one that Paul is the author of the book of Hebrews. Number two, Hebrews is present truth. Now, why don't we look at Second yeah. Peter chapter one and verse twelve? Seventh Adventists are familiar with this term. It's,
0: it's almost, you know, you could almost make the case that that's a that's an Adventist term, which is actually a biblical term, <laughs> that's right? That's right. The Adventists just see the the relevance in in their own experience. But chapter 2 uh, chapter 1 of 2nd Peter verse 12, you want me to go ahead and read that? Yes, please. It said, "For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established
1: in the present truth." Now, it's interesting that that term, so Peter employs that term. It, James White, in his book, Life Incidents, comments on that in the early Advent movement. And he makes this point. He says, in Peter's time, and this is in our outline, J, uh, L- James White, Life Incidents, page 291, in Peter's time, there was present truth or truth applicable to that present time. That's how he describes present truth. The church have ever had a present truth. The present truth now is that which shows present duty and the right position for us who are about to witness the time of trouble such as never was. Of course, Mm. in the context, you're talking about the coming of Christ and the great climax of the Christian faith. And so present truth is that what speaks to us right now of this time that we live in. Mm. Now, Ellen White even zeroes in a little bit further in the book Early Writings. And she says these, these words on Early Writings, page 63. There are many precious truths contained in the Word of God, but it is present truth that the flock needs now. And she goes on to describe that. Such subjects as the sanctuary, in connection with the 2300 days... The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And time doesn't permit it at the moment, but the sanctuary, once you connect the sanctuary with the 2300 days, what it does is it takes that Old Testament thing, but when you connect it with the 2300 day, day prophecy, it points to the present work of Christ as mm. our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. And that's what she refers to as present truth, that work of Christ as our great high priest.
0: Well, it just... You know, I'm still back on that quote where James White says, in Peter's time there was present truth. And that's not to say that anything he preached is not truth now, but it was particularly applicable in their immediate context, right? right? So whenever I'm thinking of the day of Pentecost, when he stands up, for instance, Acts 2, verse 32, he says, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted, Mm -hmm. so even for him, the birth of Christ wasn't the present truth message, but he says, we have all even witnessed, the
1: cross of Christ Even wasn't. the cross
0: at that point, right? He's shifting his focus to where the effect. present tense is, right? Therefore, uh, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you now see and hear. And he concludes verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he takes the crucifixion, the uh, resurrection, the ascension even, and he says, now this is it. So he wasn't diminishing those other things. No. But he said, in our understanding, this is the present truth. And that's the same Peter that would later talk about the present truth we're grounded
1: in. That's right. Well, just besides the fact that those all pointed forward, like that Old Testament, even the sacrifice on the cross pointed to the work you know, the sanctuary had outlined, and that was the beginning of that work that Christ would then be entering upon as a right. high priest. But to me, one of the things that's most fascinating about this is for much of the Christian world, and there's not a Christian alive who who, who doesn't believe we should have our focus on Christ and our mm-hmm. attention on Christ. But for most Christians, they don't even know where that is. That's right. Like, he disappeared, you know, in 31 AD. He went up to yep. heaven, and they believe he's coming again. Mm-hmm. There's confusion on that, or Somehow, too. yeah. But even for Seventh-day Adventists, like, why hasn't he come? Oh, I don't know. He's not ready. When you look in Scripture— There's this, where did he go? The book of Mm. Hebrews is the most complete answer to that question. And not that it's only in Hebrews, but I have in the notes here, Hebrews is the only book of the New Testament that deals primarily with the priesthood of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary. Without the book of Hebrews, we'd have a big gap. We could do uh, types and anti-types and come up with some conclusions. Mm -hmm. But Paul just spells out what Jesus is doing as he's preparing to come again. And adding
0: to that present timeliness, you think of the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. Mm-hmm. They outline, of course, the great time prophecies and the great movements of Christ and his ministry. But right in the middle of that, we have the references. Mm-hmm. To, we have the sacred imagery. We have the mediatorial work of Christ, That's which right. Hebrews. Po- so you knew- you couple the ministry outline in Hebrews with the time prophecies pointed out in Daniel and Revelation, and then you see That's where right. we are in these things. How in the world can we preach a Jesus that isn't in the sanctuary? Right. That's exactly. This right. is where our focus, and this is, it seems to be the burden of Paul in this book.
1: But without Hebrews, what are we going to preach about Jesus in the sanctuary? In right. other words, it fills out a lot of detail, mm-hmm. which we're going to see in this uh, in this quarter. Uh, another thing that you had mentioned, which is fascinating, is. I was just thinking about it as you were saying it. Well, actually, even as I wrote this down in the notes, Hebrews is the only book in the New Testament that deals primarily, I added that word primarily, because the book of Revelation pictures Jesus in that priestly role in many places. Yes, does. But it's one of the very few books. And I thought about Daniel. Daniel also brings to view the priestly ministry of Christ. You've got the twenty three hundred day prophecy, right. and you've got other things there in reference to that. So the great prophetic books along with the book of hebrews give us that view anyway. Hebrews well, is
0: present truth. Well, that also coupled with like we we're talking about how Hebrews as Paul understood it, I mean, as Paul was the author of it complements then Romans and Galatians Absolutely. and Ephesians. So then you're thinking, man, I've got the book of Hebrews plus the book of Revelation and all the other books of uh, of uh Paul and then you have the works of Peter and mm-hmm. and you realize man, the whole Bible is not just focusing on a Jesus who was and did a thing at the cross but is looking forward to the present truth and final culmination of his work of salvation so the Bible itself has like this inertia towards Christ in his sanctuary and return mm-hmm. as king and that's that's mm-hmm. huge for the christian
1: well mm-hmm. and looking at the statement again that we shared where Ellen White says it is present truth that the flock needs now such subjects as the sanctuary in connection with twenty three hundred days, the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus. Now, what's interesting there is, of course, the sanctuary in connection with the twenty three hundred days points to the priesthood of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary, mm-hmm. and then she ties in that phrase, the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Where, Where do that we come? see
0: that? It comes in That's the Book of Revelation
1: fourteen twelve, and That's it's right. the culmination of the three angels' messages. So, right. she pulls those together with the work of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary and I did not include the quote here but I will before quarter's over I promise mm-hmm. where there's a place in early writings where Ellen White sees an angel uh, proclaiming you know the third angel's message mm-hmm. sees that third angel depicted and she says as he repeats the words here are those who keep the here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus as he repeats these words she says he pointed to the heavenly to the sanctuary, sanctuary. To where Christ, so there's a tie-in between mm-hmm. those things. Again, Hebrews is present truth, and we'll unpack right. that. Well, that's what course. I'm saying. So
0: we can't detach like the great time prophecies and the great signs mm-hmm. of Christ coming from this more pastoral ministry work. No, 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 they are one and the same, and it's it's a it's a it's a bigger, broader perspective and, than we sometimes and, wrestle. And with.
1: you know, oftentimes we talk about prophecy, and and I have to admit it's true with some and not with all. You know, there are people who say, well, we need to a more Christ centered instead of preaching all these beasts and there's an element of truth to that. I've seen people who just, are, by rote, repeating a bunch of yeah. facts at the same time. And what Hebrews does is it helps us with that. If the great time prophecies are connected with the work of Christ mm-hmm. in, the, in the heavenly sanctuary, and again, in the words of Alan White in Great Controversy, she says that the sanctuary in heaven is the very center mm-hmm. of Christ's work in behalf of humanity. Mm-hmm. What it does is its it, is it pulls that that those prophecies into that Christ-centered picture mm. like nothing else can. Amen. And so it gives the proper balance to everything. Anyway, it's going to be a good... Yeah, we're,
0: good. we're rolling down the mountain here. All with right, this so anyway,
1: Hebrews is present truth. Well, let's go to number and three then, because it really... So It's interesting that last <laughs> quarter was Deuteron- the present truth in Deuteronomy. Right. But notice this quarter is... In, in these, these last days. days, the message... You don't have to say present truth, because it's obvious it's present truth.
0: Anyway. Well, because we're here. These are <laughs> the last days. Which brings us to number three. Yes. We are the audience of Hebrews. What What are we meaning by that? So
1: much of this lesson in the quarterly, as I've... You know, what I've shared here, you know, there's little traces of it in the lesson, and t- Dr. Gallus's notes, but the bulk of this week's lesson... Really is looking at the audience of Hebrews. You know okay. who was Paul preaching to? What was their situation? What were they going through? And 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 what led to his word of exhortation to them?
0: Yeah, it actually uh, maybe you headed there, but i noticed that in Sundays talking about the glorious beginning, Monday mm-hmm. it talks about the struggle, Tuesday the malaise. It basically does a, a miniature arc of experience of the early yes. Christian church, and then. Kind of culminates with where they were when Paul was writing this. That's
1: right. So, and I didn't go through that, although I it might not be a bad idea to go through it in class. Just sure. that, that the way that they started strong, and so I'm focusing on what happened later. But they sure. started strong, but there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of they had challenges, pressure sure. to compromise and persecution and what have you, and it overwhelmed the church. And you can and grow it, weary, and you can, yeah. And so the lesson highlights that, in fact, if we look at Monday's lesson, um, paragraph paragraphs two and three, why don't you read two and I'll read three.
0: Uh, here it is very likely. Is yep. It is very likely that the readers of Hebrews suffered verbally and physically at the hands of mobs stirred up by opponents. It references Acts sixteen and seventeen. Mm-hmm. They also were imprisoned, and it is possible that they were beaten as well, because officials had the power to authorize punishment and incarceration. Often without following appropriate judicial norms, while they gathered evidence, so they basically just like offhandedly throw someone in because they had an issue with them and not a lot of due process then.
1: That's right. And if you read, of course, the lesson brings us up Hebrews ten thirty-two to thirty-four and Hebrews thirteen three. Uh, ask you to read those from Monday's lesson, and you know then there are several passages in the week's lesson that highlight what they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, it also encourages reading Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 to 26, and then over in 1 Peter on Monday's lesson, and follows with that next paragraph then that says, To bear the reproach of Christ, which is the word Paul used to them, simply meant to identify oneself with Christ and endure the shame and abuse that this association implied. Mm. Public animosity against Christians was the result of their distinctive religious commitments. Do we see any of that happening now? Mm. People can get offended by religious practices that they don't understand or by people whose lifestyle and morals could make others feel guilty or shamed. We see that in our society today. It's not that Christians are trying to shame. I mean, maybe there's one or two that are, but you Mm. know what I'm saying. Um, Even among Christians, we're starting to infight because it's like, oh, you you know, you live that way and you're condemning people. No, I'm just living according to my convictions. But it's coming Mm. to a place in our society that to live by Christian convictions is it's to stand out a, like
0: a sore thumb or to well, be even in opposition to the. But to you know. be
1: viewed as offensive to people mm-hmm. and insensitive to other people's needs. And mm. so that's what we see happening in the early church. Going on, it says, by the middle of the first century A.D., the first century A.D., it says Tacitus considered Christians to be guilty of, quote, hatred against mankind.
0: Which seems so crazy, knowing Christianity is known for its love, right? But, How could but, it be viewed as and, hatred?
1: And yet it doesn't seem crazy because we hear in places that Christians are are accused of hate speech mm. if they teach what the Bible teaches about certain entities or what have you. Mm-hmm. and so Or just moral principles. Or
0: just moral, morality at all, yeah.
1: And so the point is that as we look at what the Hebrews went through, and of course, so these believers were then... And we're not talking about the persecution that we see in our westernized countries. Now there are places in the world that have a lot fiercer persecution today. But the Christians in Paul's audience, they went through severe suffering. He talked about how they were they they uh, were joyful having their possessions plundered. Mm. You know what that means? That means they take away your what you own. Mm. Like, yeah, we're taking all your belongings, clear out your bank account. Hey man, I get to print. They had gone through and even joyfully endured that, but mm-hmm. they're just—you can only do that for it so is, long. Yeah. And the early church was overwhelmed. Now, these are things that, when I say we are the audience of Hebrews, to to me, Cameron, it's not as much as where we are now as where we are immediately heading.
0: It seems a lot like these things were written for our admon- admonition <laughs> upon whom the ends of the world. Like right. we might not be there yet, but it's definitely a snapshot of where inevitably the end times will lead if you're That's faithful right. to christ
1: so they gave in to discouragement and so much of paul's counsel is trying to encourage them to keep the focus on jesus and to remain steadfast in fact uh, the note i put in here is just as with the audience of hebrews as we see where we are in our world today and we see how unpopular christianity is becoming mm. in certain quarters as we see where things are going ahead Paul's counsel applies to us just as well. With them, he, d- he directed them to keep their eyes fixed on Amen. Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. Mm-hmm. He's also the author and finisher of your faith and my faith. Amen. And he encouraged them in Hebrews 10 to not forsake the assembling of themselves together, yes. but to stir up. Love and kind of good, good works. works. What are good works for the Christian? If yeah. if there's any one good work of the Christian, it's reaching souls for Amen. Christ.
0: That is the good work we're supposed and to so
1: do. And so keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on the work that he's commissioned us to do. Mm. Those were admonitions he gave to them. They apply to us just as well today. We are the audience today Amen. of Hebrews.
0: Amen. Well, this is a fantastic study. Uh, your concluding thought there is taken from the last page of the lesson on Friday. Yes. And... Uh, you want me to read that? Yes. It's a why this don't quote you from that? Prophets and Kings, pages 164 and 165. And it says For the disheartened, there is a sure remedy faith, prayer, work. Faith and activity will impart assurance and satisfaction that will increase day by day. Are you tempted to give way to feelings of anxious foreboding or utter despondency? In the darkest days, when appearances seem most forbidding, fear not. Have faith in God. He knows your need. He has all power. His infinite love and compassion never weary. Fear not that he will fail of fulfilling his promise.
1: Mm. Amen.
0: That is some encouragement, friends. And what a great lesson to start us off. There's going to be rich discussion in every local Sabbath school class, I'm sure of it. So may the Lord bless you. And as we close today, could you give us a word of prayer?
1: Let's pray. Heavenly uh, Father, we so thank you for your testimony and your word, Lord. Encouragement, not just to the Christians back in Paul's day, but practical and relevant for those of us living today in these last days. And I pray, Father, you'll help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and Mm -hmm. finisher of our faith. You'll help us to be found faithful. you help us to continue to reach souls for your kingdom and hasten the coming of Jesus. For we ask and pray these things in his name. Amen.